Episode 0060, The Secret Mystery of Slutty Donkey Kong. You've entered the Potable Picture Show, your podcast dedicated to motion pictures and drinking liquors. I'm your host, Kevin McRae, and I'm here to tell you this podcast may contain explicit content. In this episode, we'll be covering a whole lot of things. As we skipped a podcast last week, we will more than quadruple make up for it this week. We have Heathen on the News. We have a very special beer and cocktail corner. All this and more... So head in with me to the VIP booth atop the cantina, and let's get today's show started. Sitting across from me, she's the head organizer of the Sierra Nevada Movie Club. She says she does not like to have her picture taken, and her name is Heathen. Well, just not today. Well, some uh, people are afraid that when they get their picture taken, um, they'll get their soul taken. That's not me. You're just a horrible photographer. Well, you don't have a soul. <laughs> and it's also joining us in the cantina and the VIP booth at the top of the stairs. It is Beer Maker Matt. <laughs> Hello. I'm afraid that people take my picture, they'll take my mojo away. Yeah, someone, Is that what happened? Yeah. Someone must have taken a lot of my pictures then. <laughs> I was going to say, someone must have taken a lot of your pictures. I lost my mojo in Santa Cruz under the boardwalk. So it is uh, getting towards the end of summer. You guys knocked out all the things you plan to do during the summer. You have anything left on your summer bucket list? We've got hog o- hot August nights. I like hog August nights. Hog August. Well, mm-hmm. that, that comes later in the month at the rib cook-off. I'm not really interested in the rib. It's always too expensive. Yeah. So. So my question was: Is there anything that you're looking forward to do that you haven't covered during summer yet? Maybe a couple ta- Tahoe trips. Maybe a couple Tahoe trips. How about you, Matt? Anything on your summer bucket list? It's just the the hot or hog August nights. <laughs> um. Yeah. There's a few trips that I'm going to take to California to visit family, but. That's good. I don't have anything on my bucket list. I don't I'm do nothing. I'm looking forward to fall. What's so good about fall? It's my favorite season. No, the birthday's your favorite season. All right, heathen. Anything else? Ready to do your news? Are you primed and pumped? Not really. <laughs> I hate your answer every time. It makes me want to stick you with needles and knives. What else is new? For once, can you just say yes? I'm 100% prepared. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. I'm glad Let's you asked. Let's do it. I'm super excited <laughs> that you asked. Headlines. 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 
So I guess the CEO of Disney is a little worried about the release of the new Star Wars movie. Yeah, why is he worried? Um, well, he's kind of trying to uh, wind it down a little bit, not hype it up so much as like the Marvel, because he's overly confident. Overly confident when it comes to Marvel. He recently told journalists that we're the Mar- Marvel when it when considering the competition in the superhero movie landscape. Um, but when it comes to like the Star Wars, he wants to reset the expectations. Um, he's enthusiastic for the film, but um, of course nobody's seen it. But he's basically just kind of trying to dial it down he doesn't want everybody to be over excited about it which is kind of yeah it makes sense because um i mean in some ways even if this is like the most uh, successful movie of all time it's still probably going to be a disappointment because it was so anticipated but i mean after the first three prequels they did i I don't think people are going to be too unhappy really people are more cautious this time because they already had their hearts broken once but yeah, I mean, it's how, how i kind of just waiting to see it, because it's like, okay, um, I'm sure it's going to be good. People are excited what J.J. is going to do. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest hypes about the movie, is just that J.J. is involved in it. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure. I guess he didn't seem assured of the success of the Star Wars The Force Awakens, um, because according to him, the brand still needs to be reintroduced to certain parts of the world. Yeah, they. Uh, I know in Shanghai they did a film festival showing the original three that was like the first time it's ever been shown in, in wide cinemas there. I'm not sure how Star Wars is in the rest of the world. I do know that younger, a lot of younger generations still know the movies. I know like Emily, who's been on here, says that she was sort of introduced to it through the shitty ones like Jar Jar Binks and stuff because she was so young. But then, but I know a lot of people like in their, that are like 20 that... God, that movie, what, what, that would have come out, uh, I don't know, a bunch of years before they were born, that they're still they're still into it. So I, I think it'll do okay. It's just I don't think there's any way it can ever match expectations. <clears throat> we have a sneaky snake in the room. <laughs> it would be like... <laughs> It'd be like if they could Jurassic Park some of these rock bands and get them out on tour again. Like if they could bring John Bonham back to life and put Led Zeppelin out on tour. Just, you know, that level of excitement. Well, hmm. On to the next one. Forbes recently released the annual highest paid actor list for 2005. And the Avengers Age of Ultron star topped the list for the third year in a row. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm, with a whopping $80 million Should have between... let us guess first, but go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. Well, you can guess who was Jennifer number Lawrence. two. Oh, for guys? I have no idea. No, it's just a list. It's oh. not... Oh, so number two is going to be a guy also. Actually, the f- top ten are probably all going to be guys. Okay, well, just go ahead and take a guess. Yeah, we get, um, for, for this year, I'm trying to think if Brad Pitt was in anything big. I, I don't... He would be my, my guess. I have no idea. <clears throat> Anybody? Three, two... Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch? One. Jackie Chan came in second with really? $15 million. Wow. Third? Anybody? I already Brad Pitt is, is my only thing that I can think of. Vin Diesel was third for $47 million. Fourth was Bradley Cooper with $41.5 million. And Adam Sandler rounds the top five with oh, $41.5 <laughs> 
I knew you were going to be upset. But oh. you're right. I should have had you guys guess. I'm well, no, I mean, I, I wouldn't have got it. Robert Downey Jr. is pretty obvious because, but I probably wouldn't have remembered that. The third year in a row. Jackie Chan surprises me. Yeah. He has a lot of mistresses. He needs the money to pay for him. Hmm. I thought he was pretty much all in Hollywood now. I didn't know he still did any films in China, but he must be if he's making that kind of cash. He does. Yeah, I don't know. That's just based on um, movie earnings or just like annual earnings? He's the highest paid actor. So actor. So yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what he's done in China or America recently. I know he does a lot of um, engagements. He sings. He sings a lot in China. Not very well. <laughs> and my last news is drinking pear juice uh, right before a night of heavy drinking could reduce the effects of a hangover, research suggests. It can also reduce memory loss and sensitivity to light and sound if it uh, even slightly decreases uh, alcohol levels present, presented in the blood. So I, I like this one. Does it does it go in the science behind it? The reason I like this is a scientist came up with this, and they pretty much, as far as their testing, because there's all these. Um, well, the effect was only demonstrated if pears were consumed before alcohol consumption, and. Um, so it doesn't work. I mean, that. you can eat a pear, and it would be the same as drinking the juice. As long as it's the equivalent of So you have to do it before. It's like a plan. It's Mm -hmm. You can't do it like a plan B version. Well, that kind of sucks because most people aren't going to have the forethought to be like, man, I'm going to tie one on tonight. Better eat a pear. (laughs) Well, a lot of people do the aspirin stuff before, like Uh, I would. Well, I do aspirin and water afterwards. Um, Well, I used to. I used to do the aspirin before, and that would help. That's smart. Um, So I would definitely do this or the acai. The only thing that really ever helped was that purple drink that my mom was invested in, and it went and it went to, it went downhill. But if you drank that stuff after, man, you felt so much better. Well, my buddies in college would have like Pedialyte stocked. Yeah, Pedialyte's good. Anything that gets your uh, because hangovers. I mean, majority of it comes from um, dehydration. So yeah, Gatorade, pickle juice, Pedialyte. Um, coconut water yeah i guess that would, i mean anything that's gonna rehydrate you as, as quickly as possible but yeah i think next santa crawl we should all eat pears before we go out <laughs> maybe we should make like a whole pear thing a pear themed dinner maybe i'll just start drinking pear vodka there you go Will that work? we'll only do pear stuff in our flask that's gonna be funny if the bartender's like hey you want another one no i didn't eat my pear tonight yeah that's what we'll do we'll all dress up like christmas pears partridge in a pear tree yeah i'll be the pear tree (laughs) you've already got the pear (laughs) there is no evidence that you can consume pears after drinking to avoid a habit hangover and remember the very best way to not get a hangover is to do matt's thing well either not drink is the best thing yes (laughs) and what's Matt's thing well to uh rotate every beer have a water every drink have a water you don't have to crumble that right into the microphone that's extremely horrible. You're a horrible person. <laughs> That's for, my thing now. For anyone that hasn't uh, joined our podcast before, anytime you hear a sound about hitting a baby that sounds something like this, it means uh, you can have a drink along with us at home while we baby. drink here at work in the studio. I am drinking a Christmas beer. Speaking of Santa Crawl, this is called the... No, Cas- speaking of my birthday. Speaking of Santa Crawl, this is um, 
Castile. It is a Belgian ale. Um, it's quite good. It's pretty big. I was worried a lot of our Belgians wouldn't, wouldn't stand up as they were being kept in the closet. It's 11%. Um, and I like it. So your bear came out of the closet <laughs> and into the refrigerator? Elin, what's your drinking beverage? <laughs> your sipping beverage? It's a Vindange Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. Full flavored and fruity with hints of apples, pears. So we and toasted oat. We uh, toasted oat. That sounds like a cereal. So we we snuck our wine boxes into Trainwreck. How did you feel about that? Did you enjoy drinking your wine box in Trainwreck with a straw? I thought it was fun. I liked it. I don't mind doing that every time. It was a great. It was a great. It was a great. Pretty good. <laughs> I Pretty decided good. I'm Italian. <laughs> and, we, and we had to save it all the way through Trainwreck. I know we drank it through Trainwreck, and then we went and saw that dismal movie. I saved Pixels. mine. Through everything. Yeah, we even, uh, I brought in our giant um, Big Gulp movie cup into the bar that we were dining in before the movie. And I uh, asked the bartender if she could ice down our movie <laughs> wine, and she seemed really confused. <laughs> they kept asking, you guys still going to the movies? Because we only had like two or three drinks. We're like, yeah, why would we not go to the movies? We, we just... were there for, we had a couple hours to kill, nice. though. Yeah. And Beer Maker Matt, what's your sip and beverage? Um... Hopefully not a exploding mess. It's frozen, but this is one of my. I haven't had this one yet, but it's by Oma Gang, one of my favorite breweries. This mm-hmm. is the Florida Oblon, which is a summer ale. Hmm. Just in time for summer, and you like you like that uh, banana bread beer last time. That was good. It was decent. On a scale of I one, I like the smell more than the taste. Than the but... taste, yeah. That happens with some women. All right, cheers, everybody. That's gross. Happy August. Cheers, you fuck. That's gross. Cheers. (laughs) Stop just looking. Mm. I should have got a straw. So we're going to head into Cocktail Corner. Super duper. I see America drinking the fabulous cocktails I make. America's getting yeah. stinking on something I stir or shake. Have a drink! So, here in Cocktail Corner, we often do themed cocktails. We're not doing that this week. Instead, I'm going to tell you guys about a, an award-winning beer. We should have done some of the pear brandy. Um... Yeah, we probably should have, but I already did my report. I'm doing my report my today <laughs> on this on a twelve ounce can, on a twelve ounce can. On a twelve ounce can. You can what ex- you say? You can expect to get 144 calories and 4.74 percent alcohol. <laughs> um, this comes from the Paps Brewing Company, which was established in 1844. That's quite old out there in Milwaukee. Originally, the name of this beer was Best Select or Paps Select. But after winning uh, an award at a World's Fair, and also for uh, from ni- uh, 1886 to 1916, they used to tie a blue ribbon around the bottlenecks. That was their thing. Um, basically, that's all I have to say about this. <laughs> uh, it was a really a report. Po- it was a really popular beer back in the day, and then it made a comeback. Um, I would say a while ago now probably before I went to China, like a lot of hipsters, especially I remember in New York, when like trucker hats started getting big, when it started to be cool when you were like a kid that had a bunch so of money. So when Ashton Kutcher was started becoming up in... Yeah, when Ashton Kutcher was on MTV. So when, uh, when, when you were kids that lived in like um, Greenwich Village or something and you had 
uh, millions of dollars in your family's bank account. It was cool to just buy like cheap things. This was, I think, before doing things ironically. They yeah. were doing things ironically. Um, and then it got really big. It wasn't just PBR, but like Rolling Rock got pretty big. Um, anything cheap. And then one thing I read that was interesting and kind of makes sense is that PBR, they've never, um, they've never used any of that to their, to, to their advertisement. They've never catered to any of that, like, or, or use that in any of their demographic kind of stuff because they think that that would hurt them because then they would be seen as non-authentic and then they would lose that crowd, you know, Mm -hmm. like a crowd doesn't want to do what's cool. They want to do what's not cool. So if you're catering to the cool crowd, then we're like... I mean that. Then so they be, just don't change anything. Yeah, period. which which is a good, which is a a, a fairly good plan. Um, they're owned by a company in L.A. or somewhere in California now. They're no longer owned in Milwaukee. Would you guys like to have a taste of the blue ribbon? I brought you out some shot glasses. <laughs> well, dandy. I don't think I've had Paps since I left. Why Virginia. didn't you at least give us one of these? Go ahead, pull those out. Jeez. Rude. Can you tell the audience at home what you're saying? Are you being cheap? He's talking about his feisty beer coming out of the closet, and now he's pulling... Thanks, Matt, for being visual for people. I don't have to guess. I'll drink two shots of PBR. Anything you guys want to toast to? I've got a shot for each. What do you want to toast to? Let's toast to... To your health. August? <laughs> oh. Why you can't drink yours yet, Matt? Uh, toast to you. What do you want to toast to? To your health. There you go. <laughs> Mm. Ah. It's warm too. It makes warm. it extra delicious. Now you know. I forgot to play at the beginning of the episode. We do have a, um, a voicemail message. Let me see if I can pull it up and see what is going on. In the world today. I believe this is from Western Warlock. She's only pretending to look for love to cash in on a hot story for her magazine. But her heart didn't get so the So he's memo. giving us a, uh, I guess that's a movie synopsis, but I don't know what movie that would be for. Let me hear that one again. It sounds a little rough. She's only pretending to look for love to cash in on a hot story for her magazine. But her heart didn't get the memo. Is that train wreck? It's some it's some romantic yeah. comedy. I don't know. We'll have to find if out. If we're talking about. about recent, it's probably train wreck. Otherwise, it sounds like uh, it sounds so. like something older. It doesn't quite fill train wreck because she doesn't. Because what movie does someone pretend to look for love? It's the Sex in the City. No, think uh, Fifty Things Not to Do to or whatever that Fifty Shades of Grey. No, oh, Fifty Ways to Lose Your or Fifty Ways. To lose a guy, how or to how to lose a guy in fifty days? Yeah, in fifty, yeah, something like that. Whatever it was, hmm. or that he's, she's just not that into you, or he's just not that into you. I don't remember any of those movies well enough to know which one that is. That's a good stumper. Thanks, Western Warlock, for stump <laughs> for stumping the panel. We'll see if any of us were right. It wasn't me. It's not. It's not Trainwreck. It doesn't quite fit Trainwreck. So for that, uh, it's fine to hit that baby. Let's head into. Heathen toasting to us. Cheers. She's so cute. 
So typically every week in feature presentation, we take a film we saw with the Sierra Nevada Movie Club and we use it as a jumping off point for conversation. Since we missed last week, we are going to quickly go over the last four movies that I saw. I don't know if everyone has seen all of these movies, but if you guys have anything to say, whether you've seen these movies or haven't seen these movies, just go ahead and jump in. So we're going to start with Pixels. <clears throat> I'm not going to do synopsis on any of these. I think most people know the film Pixels, starring Adam Sandler and Kevin James. It is a build-off of a 2010 short film from a French dude. Um, <clears throat> Pixels was a news story in the very first episode of The Picture Show, and I talked about how um, I hoped... I also talked in that episode how um, I talked about several actors whose careers were going in the toilet. Adam Sandler was one of them. I think we also talked about um, Johnny Depp. And it appears that Adam Sandler is probably, he, that this may be his last Hollywood-released movie. He may just be releasing stuff to Netflix until that flops out. This movie was not very good. I did not expect it to be good, and it was even worse than I expected. Um, anything where Kevin James plays the president of the United States isn't really going anywhere. Um, I liked a couple of the action sequences in it. I liked, um, again, because the short film, which is only a couple minutes, all you see is these arcade things attacking New York and eating buses and things like that. There's no plot line or story to it. It was just kind of an interesting concept. So they had to do something to develop a 90-minute movie. So the things that were somewhat interesting in the film, I thought, was the centipede sequence and the Pac-Man sequence, although saying that those were the more enjoyable parts doesn't mean that those parts were great either. They were just, the rest of the movie was so hard to watch. It, it had had a lot of references for people that grew up in the 80s, mm -hmm. like throwbacks to um, the Where's the Beef Lady and um, Max Headroom and just uh, a lot of these things for geared towards people that are around 40 years old, yet the tone and story of the movie was built for... I'd say eight to ten year olds, like really young, not even teenagers, not even like 13, 14, 15. Like, you'd probably have to be eight, nine, ten to enjoy this movie. That's the level of humor, which a lot of Adam Sandler's movies are like that, but usually there's enough, at least gross humor or dirty humor or something like that, that 20 somethings can laugh at it too. Um, one thing I did get out of this, and if I had more time and wasn't so lazy, is it made me want to write a story about... So to me, the most interesting part of this movie would be if you were a goofy guy like Adam Sandler or his characters, and then you grew up and your best friend became president of the United States. Like To me, that could be its own film in itself, and it could start when they're young and his friend like um, getting to like student council... And then maybe them going in the military together and then Congress and then um, and I could actually see Kevin James kind of doing a part like that where he's kind of popular when he's young because he's sort of like this frat athlete kind of guy and um, becomes a military hero or whatever. And like the Adam Sandler character is always sort of the fuck up kind of person. It would be like a typical romantic comedy or bromance where there would be some sort of conflict at the end and then they they get back together. Um I liked um, I liked Pac-Man. Didn't really like him in the film. Uh, Pac-Man, I, I was a big Pac-Man fan as a kid. I went uh, as Pac-Man for Halloween when I was in kindergarten. I And that's, you know, how do you go as Pac-Man? It was just, you know how you just get those uh, off, the, off the rack costumes? 
Mm-hmm. I don't even I don't even know what it, I think I had like an arcade body and just like a plastic mask. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had a Pac-Man lunchbox. I love Pac-Man. Um, I can still beat most people my age at Pac-Man. Um, what else about this film? I thought the movie was cute. You liked it? Mm-hmm. Would you recommend it to your mom? No. Would you recommend it to anyone? Um, maybe, maybe my kid and, you know. So how did it do in the box office, though? Um, I think it did decent, but it, it didn't get number one. I mean, Minions was number one for a while, and... So- do you think people mainly the people that did go to see it in the movie they saw it because of the game theme? I think so. There was a Probably. lot of there was a lot of people I saw that were excited about it that didn't know anything about the short film or anything, and they just saw like the previews and they were kind of like '80s kids, and so that that attracted them just the '80sness to it. I, that's pretty much why I wanted to go was just to see all of that, which was. Fun. I'm not one usually to go into um, like historical or technical inaccuracies, but the film was also full of those, which didn't bother me too much. Actually, Peter Dinklage's accent really bugged me. Um, the The kid that played the young Peter Dinklage, I liked his accent because it sounded like he was trying to do Peter Dinklage as Peter Dinklage is on Game of Thrones. So there's a like like there's an early intro to the film where they're all oh. as kids, and kind of sets up why they don't like each other or do like each other later on. Um, but like, so they send this capsule into space in 1981 and a lot of the video games that come back and a lot of things that come back are, were way after 81, like Paperboy or Arkanoid and things like that. There really wasn't that many video mm-hmm. games in 81. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the references like Madonna and stuff, she wasn't like a huge star in 81 really. Mm, no, so, not really. I didn't really mind any of that too much. I did find out there is, uh, so... Um, Josh Gad, I can't remember his character's name. Oh, it was uh, Lemon, Lemonsworth or something. Apparently, almost every Adam Sandler movie has a character named Lemonsworth. In Grown Ups, that's um, uh, Kevin James's last name. It's a tribute to Kevin or uh, Adam Sandler's like college roommate. So in almost all of his movies, he has someone whose name is Lemonsworth. I also found out actually. That there's a scene in the film where Kevin James is reading to the students, sort of like George Bush on 9-11, and he can't read. That the name of the school is called... um, Okay, I can't find it on here. Oh, here it is. Uh, It's called Nib Elementary, and that's the same name of the school that Billy Madison went to. So it's kind of... Those little tie-ins are kind of neat. I didn't really notice it at the time. Um, But yeah tie-in for all of those adam sandler movies <laughs> all two of them yeah yeah so i don't know nothing else about uh, pixels just a just a general disappointment um oh uh the director modeled kevin james as president he kind of modeled him after chris christie that was his idea i was like okay that makes a little bit sense i guess then chris christie is not a person you would normally think that would be in politics He's kind of like a, you know, like a footballer and NBA coach. Okay. Anything else about Pixels before we head on to the next film? No. Okay. So the next film we saw, we theater hopped and saw Trainwreck. I was hoping to see Trainwreck first and, or no, I was hoping to see Pixels first and Trainwreck second because I knew Pixels would be much worse and I wanted to get that out of the way and like enjoy the main course towards the end. Um, but we did end up seeing Trainwreck first. So this was the very first film that Judd Apatow has directed that he hasn't written. 
um, which I guess I kind of knew that, but still kind of so, somewhat interesting. He, the reason he wanted to get um, Amy Schumer um, and was interested in her is he heard an interview with her on Howard Stern and just the way she was telling stories and talking about things. He just thought she's a really interesting person. She's kind of got like sort of this girl next door type, but she's a really good storyteller. She can tell these really dark things and still be funny. And she could just tell like these five, 10, 15 minute stories that people are interested in. So he reached out to her to, to write the script. Of course, this is the first uh, script that she's ever written. Uh, one thing I thought was kind of interesting is Chris Rock was on set uh, on and off. He was on set. Um, so LeBron filmed all of his scenes in a week. Chris Rock was on set basically during that time. And he is the one that came up with a lot of LeBron's dialogue in the film, um, his jokes and things like that. Um, one thing, kind of two things. One thing I didn't even really recognize her in it is Tilda Swinton played Amy Schumer's boss in the film, and I didn't recognize her because she wasn't weird looking. She was actually, she can actually be a pretty woman, but she usually comes across kind of creepy looking, so I thought that was cool. Um, and um, something about this film is a lot of. So a lot of Amy Schumer's sort of a feminist comic, especially in her stand-up or in her uh, TV show. She's going more and more that way. And um, a lot of females like her for that, for her kind of feminism for that. But a lot of them attacked the movie because they said that she kind of betrayed them towards the end. It became too much of a formula that she's the one that had to change for Bill Hader and she's the one that had to get rid of all her alcohol and she's the one that had to do all this to like please a guy. And um, and the site I write for, the, some of the women did talk about that and I kind of addressed it a little bit because I don't really know. And I said, well, it does come from her. A lot of this comes from her firsthand experiences, although she's changed it to make it more funny or whatever. Like on NPR, they asked if her dad really had that conversation with her that's at the beginning of the film about monogamy is not um, possible or whatever. And she said, well, no, he didn't really actually have like that. It's just we, that, that monologue shows years of what he demonstrated to us. That was just a funny, easy, short way of showing what she grew up with. Um, but yeah, I said it was her, a lot of it comes from her first life experiences. So you don't know what in the film was and was not um, true to life. It was her first film that she written. So she, had to go somewhat by somewhat of a formula. I mean, she she did admit that she was doing a romantic comedy with a twist, so it had to follow certain things. Mm -hmm. But um, some people were hoping that it would be more like um, um, forgetting Sarah Marshall or, or other things like that, where it would have a twist at the end where it would just be like, hey, I don't need you after all. Like, I'm fine on my own kind of thing. Because I'm forgetting Sarah Marshall. Jason Siegel decides that he needs to be with another woman in the end. And... That was one of the better parts of the movie, I guess, or it made it different. I didn't really have a problem with the end of the movie. Um, I think I a did. lot of it did get condensed. So because so a girl on the internet, she said she didn't. Why did she have to throw out all her alcohol? She was an alcoholic, and I said, well, it's a ninety-minute movie. You couldn't see like they they have to infer certain things. You can't go out of your way and say like, well, I'm you know you can't have a whole scene. Well, I guess you could have had a whole scene where she's out of control or whatever but i think it's sort of implied throughout the movie that she makes irresponsible choices with men and with drinking and basically the only thing that she's true to is her is her work but she kind of well they imply in the, the trailers that she's not 
that true to her work, right? Because she not she's writing a sports story and doesn't know anything about sports. Well, she works for a magazine that's basically Maxim, is what it is, and 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 all the stories they can write are, are everything that's in Maxim. I mean, it's for like a an eighteen year old or sixteen year old guy, so it's about booze, sports, women like nachos just even when she comes up with good stories they're like okay how can we twist that to like yeah, there's a, there's mm-hmm. a scene where they're pitching different ideas and they're like no that's not sexy enough like let's do a story on um actresses with the ugliest beach bodies or something like that i don't know it's just like it's like crap journalism so she actually isn't the one that pitches the idea there's another guy that pitches the idea about the sports doctor and Amy Schumer's character, whose name is Amy in the film, I believe, doesn't want to do it. And the editor kind of forces her to do it, wants her to get out of the comfort zone. It's like, oh, because cause Amy does this big monologue about how sports is stupid and no one should watch sports and it's infantile and whatever. And, the, mm-hmm. and Tilda Swinton, the editor, says, oh, great, a hate piece. I want you to do it and like just say how <laughs> shitty all of this is. Um, so, yeah, she. I think she ends up working for another magazine or something by the end. One thing I thought was weird for me and kind of made me uncomfortable and in, in even the parts that were supposed to be funny is how much I identified with both characters who are totally opposite. So it's weird that you would identify with both. Um, and it made it like uh, it actually went through like a five or ten minute period where I couldn't enjoy the film because <laughs> it was like too close to home. Um, yes, some of it was. Uh, uh, well, it's good to see Bill Hader in a lead in a lead role, um, I guess. uh Chad Apatow made them go out on sort of like a friend date just to see if they could get along before um, Bill Hader was ever casted. He just wanted to see how they looked together or whatever. But Bill, I, I kind of identified with Bill Hader's like um, super sincere niceness kind of um, Midwest kind of attitude that ends up getting him in trouble. So he has this thing towards the end where he's like, we, we, I have a rule where we never go to bed angry. You just go, don't go to bed angry. And then she stays up all night just telling him all of this bullshit. And he can just tell he's, he, he wants to just be like, that's enough. But you can't go against something that's your rule. And then the next day he has to cancel like an important surgery because it's, you, you make these general rules about things and then it's hard to be like, okay, I was wrong actually. We should just go to bed angry. And then Amy's character, I identified a lot like just her need for space and stuff. There's a part in the be- in the beginning when she first sleeps with Bill Hader and he's like all cuddling up with her and she's like, can you just, you're breathing on me. Like, you're still breathing. She makes him sleep yeah. on his back. He's like, you're still breathing on me. I can feel it. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's like me. Like, I don't like, I just need to be left alone sometimes. Like, I feel like I'm suffocating. And, um... But it, but it was good. It was, like I said, other than... It was another film where they had stuff in the trailer that wasn't in the film. There's a part in the trailer where Amy says uh, to her sister's sister, so her sister's husband's outside. She says, do you dress him in that sweater so no one else wants to have sex with him? Yeah, I didn't see that. that that's, not in the, that's not in the movie. Also, there's a line in Pixels um, where you see uh, Kevin James shoot a Smurf and say, don't tell anyone I shot a Smurf. That's in the film, but a different character says it, which I don't think I've ever seen that before. Huh. The chick says it in the film. So what do you have to say about Trainwreck Heathen or Amy Schumer or romantic comedies? I've been watching Amy Schumer for a long time, way before she ever got popular or anything. I've been watching her for uh, at least 10 years. Like before Last Comic Standing? Um, Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, that was like, I don't know how long ago she was on Last Comic Standing. I think she was on season four or six. No, she was doing stand-up way before that. Well, yeah, they all um, have been. Yeah, and uh, she always just reminded me of my friend Melody, because Melody is, like, super tall. And just her comedy has always been... And that's funny that you say that she's feminist, because I never got that from her. Maybe she's switching things up, because it was always just kind of, mm, I'm so sorry. Maybe I'm not taking it as a feminist kind of a Well, part of it is... Joke, I don't know if all of it... It's more like being a... a I think feminism is different than what she's doing. She's more of I'm, I'm a a woman that's kind of acting like a dude. Well, yeah, but that's that's the side of feminism. So I'd say her show has got more and more feminine, uh, feminist, like on purpose. Where her earlier act, I don't know if it was feminist on purpose. It was just men and women are equal. Like a guy could go fuck some chicks, so a yeah. girl can go fuck yeah. some dudes. And that is sort of a character. Like, she's, she, I think she talks about it. Uh, I don't remember where. It's like, people think I've had sex with like 2,000 people because of the way I come across. And, and she hasn't. She has. I mean, she, I, I, the first story I heard about her, she was on the Anthony and Opie, Anthony, Opie and Anthony t, uh, radio show. I, I'd never seen her before. And she was talking about um, coming home from a night drinking. And she was in the front of a taxi and all her friends were passed out in the back. And she, like, grabbed the taxi driver's hand and, like, had, and, like put it up her skirt and had, had him, like, finger bang. She's like, it wasn't even attractive. It was just, like, the danger of getting caught. So I could see how, like, her reputation for being kind of a slutty person comes across. But I have friends that would do that, I suppose. But I suppose they're probably slutty friends. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, that's the first thing I, I came across from her. Um I think it's interesting getting other people's, like, especially older people's perception of her. So, like, the guy I worked with, Rich, like, he's in love with her, but he's just, he's like, oh, she's just like this beautiful girl next door type. And I was like, well, I don't really think she's that beautiful or girl next door, really. Mm-hmm. And she's like, and she's just, she's filthy. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of uh, comedians that are pretty attractive, and most of them aren't that funny. And they got, like, Whitney Cummings. I know she got a lot of shit from other comedians because they thought that she traded off on her looks. I don't even think she was that attractive. She kind of looked like a skeleton. But I never thought she was extremely funny i think amy schumer is actually pretty funny um but yeah if, if you watch like uh like her, her most as i said her 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 tv show seems to uh, progress to to more feminist things but again a lot of it's like what you were saying he then that a lot of it's just either pointing out in 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 equalities between men and women or just differences or just well it was like there i i watched part of an interview with her i can't remember what morning show it was but um, they were talking about how the studio wanted her to lose weight and hired this, you know, personal trainer to to get her to lose weight, mm-hmm. and you know, she kind of went along with it, but didn't really stick to any of the, you know, the his rules or whatever. And she only lost like a couple pounds, and you know, she gets up and she goes, "Doesn't not doing I look good?" <laughs> And she talks a lot about that on her show, too. The, she does this, uh, I think one of her better sketches it was on this season. It's um, her version of 12 Angry Men. It's a really long sketch. I think it takes up like the whole show. And they have a bunch of famous actors. And there's like Paul Giamatti and stuff. And they, they do 12 Angry Men. But the verdict they're trying to do is, is she fuckable? <laughs> and is she, is she fuckable enough to be on TV? 
because they're saying like to be a woman on TV, you have to be you have to be fuckable or you have to be a mom or something like that. So that's they're all there's these twelve men and they're debating it. And one guy is like, well, one person's fuckable isn't everyone else's. So everyone's pissed because they if you've seen Twelve Angry Men, you know how it goes. Where and the thing there's like everyone just wants to get out of there and go to they have different things to do. And uh, and one guy's like, well, let's not rush justice or whatever. But it was pretty good. I liked it. It was, it was clever. And she has a lot of things like that. Anything else about Trainwreck? No, I don't think so. Nothing else. It's been a while since we've seen both those movies. So, so next movie we actually saw with the film club was Mr. Holmes, starring Ian McKellen. Um, this was based on a book called Slight Trick of the Mind. Uh, the original title of the film was Slight Trick of the Mind, but they changed it on Mr. Holmes to be more marketable and easier on people. Um, Ian McKellen said it was easy to identify with uh, Sherlock Holmes as a real-life character because basically all of this happened during his lifetime and that he said he could have placed himself as the boy in the movie meeting Sherlock Holmes because that was basically the timeline that we're going by. Um, I thought it was interesting when we left the movie. Uh, one thing I will say is, is, is I wouldn't be surprised if Ian McKellen gets a nomination for this film, even if you don't like this film. Um, it, cause it's sort of a slower plotting movie. There was a younger girl in there that it wasn't much her cup of tea because you can just tell those kind of people that are going to get bored by this kind of movie. You can enjoy the movie just by watching the acting. If you don't get anything else out of it, it was, it was great acting. Um, Ian McKellen plays a character that uh, is his he, old Sherlock Holmes or past Sherlock Holmes, which is about his age, maybe a little bit younger, and then current day Sherlock Holmes, which is about 14, 15 years older than Ian McKellen is in real life. But there was a guy in our movie group when we were leaving, and he, he, he didn't like the film because he didn't like that they were taking a character like Sherlock Holmes, who is sort of this larger-than-life godlike character and stripping him down to be fallible and more human which i which was the point of the movie was yeah. to take something like that and and show weakness in humanity and and why i liked it but um maybe i don't identify with sherlock holmes as much as he did i hadn't read that many of the stories i think i've read one maybe two when i was in high school wasn't a big hero to me wasn't someone i've looked up to isn't someone i watched the tv show the one with um benedict cumberbatch not the shitty cbs one um so it didn't really bother me. And all those de de depictions of Sherlock Holmes in those TV shows, they, they often show him as having a lot of faults anyway, like having sort of like this sort of Asperger's syndrome of not being able, which they portrayed in this movie too, where it's hard for him to relate to other people. Um, a lot of films and in in, in things, he usually has an addiction. Even in the CBS show, he's a recovering alcoholic, I believe. That's how he meets Holmes. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't see that movie in that way at all it for me it was mainly a you know just the classic aging old man who is you know realizing that um he's been you know living life for all the wrong reasons and um finally realizes that you know he he has been living life for all the wrong reasons and then um yeah for most of it you could there's a couple parts, but for most of it, you could even take the Sherlock Holmes name out of it, and it could still just be a story yeah. about about a guy. Um, I mean, there is a little bit of the Sherlock stuff in it. Uh, and I think that's what bored some people, too, is I think people mention that. They're like, this story could have been called, like, Old Man Coming to Terms right. or something yeah. like that. It yeah. was a little bit slow for them and, and just not enough stakes. 
I, I really enjoyed it. If you take something like Sherlock Holmes or, like I said, we'll have to see what Jared Leto does with the new Joker. If everything's been done, you got to do a different take or just leave it alone. I mean, that could be the other option of just not releasing it. But, you know, you can't just put out another Sherlock Holmes movie. I don't really like the, the Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movies, although they do add something different. They make him more of a of a martial fighter than he's ever been depicted and in, in using his brain to know how to beat up people. But I think the films are kind of crappy. I don't know. What do you think about Sherlock Holmes, even? I was never really a Sherlock Holmesian. Yeah? Yeah. Do you like detective films or movies or stories? Um... Only like the the true detectives or like the real life killer ones. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all about the hardcore. Well, I don't. I, no I just, fakies. So I don't. Like I said, I don't think this film's for everyone. Um, this cinematography wasn't especially good. I mean, the only really thing to cut, get out of it, even some of the story was sort of clunky. So I think there was two or three kind of plots going along and. None of them are really that super interesting, especially some of the B plots. I did kind of like the Robert Downey Jr. one, but I think it's only because of the actor and not because was, of the... But really, when they say the word Sherlock Holmes, I'm like, uh, not something I really want to see. Well, again, that's another movie that you could have named it anything else and you know had a different character name and it, it, wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have taken away anything from the movie. Yeah. Sometimes you just need that template for people. So everyone knows um, Holmes if you and Watson. Named it, well, if you would have named it what it was before Mr. Holmes, what it was in a mind, um, less traveled or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I know some people that could fit. No, it was called Slight Trick of the Mind. Okay. I might have went and saw that because I probably wouldn't have put two and two together that it was Sherlock Holmes. I would have just thought it was a detective movie. I mean, the reason... But as soon as you say Sherlock Holmes, I'm like, boring. Well, the reason I want to see it, because it was Sherlock Holmes, and it came from the trailer. So the trailer, it shows he's... From the trailer, and from the plot of the movie, he's trying to solve a mystery, and he basically has um, advanced senility i mean he has to he the, he has a doctor that tells him to make a dot and a notebook every time he can't remember a name or a date or a place and the doctor comes at one point and these pages these dates are just filled with dots like huge dots and he's having to write down even the boy's name he has to write the boy's name down on his on his um shirt sleeve on, yeah, on a shirt sleeve so you so know is it like my favorite movie one of my favorite movies where what's that what what's that memento yeah i love that movie not really, but I mean, I, 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 I was hoping it would be a little bit more like that, where he was taking different pieces and figuring them out. I, I, I wanted to go more in that direction. It was more, it, instead it was more like he would forget something and then later it would come to him. And then he would forget, he, he, was, he was right. So what he was doing is Watson wrote a story and Sherlock didn't think that's how the story really ended. Um, in, the movie, in the movie, Watson had written all the Sherlock Holmes stories that we know, not Conan Doyle. And uh, and Sherlock wasn't really happy with his last case, and he ended up retiring to northern, or might have been southern England. Anyway, it was far away from, from London. And it always bothered him about this story, that he didn't think the way Watson wrote it is the way that it happened. So he was trying, it was like his last unsolved mystery. He wanted to figure out what went wrong or what was off about it. And so he decides to write his own version. So he starts writing in a notebook, 
and then he'll get to a point and then he can't remember and then the kid he says the kid is like his muse or whatever the kid will help him remember things so he keeps his kid around and every once in a while the kid will do something it'll spark another part of the story but yeah there's not really too many puzzle pieces in it which i was hoping there would be i like that kind of thing so on to <clears throat> on to the next one mm-hmm. <laughs> that's fine to hit this baby I haven't finished my PBR, now I will. Hmm, I guess I will too. Warm beer. Mine's nice and cold. Yeah, I was going to say it tastes more like cold piss. That's what you said when you first opened it, and I still disagree. I got it's it right not. out of the fridge, it was, so... It was, what fridge? It's cold. And there is something good about PBR or uh, Keystone Light or Coors Light is... Is they're good with certain foods, like spicy foods, like salsa. So I used to drink like Newcastle or something with everything. And you can't just combine that many flavors in something. You need like a shitty beer when you're eating spicy food. Something that's going to be basically like water. I mean, the only time I really like Corona is with like spicy Mexican food. It's not the greatest beer either. Well, you can't do like beer can chicken with like a really good beer. Yeah. It's got to be a shitty Bud Light or yeah. perhaps Blue Ribbon. Mm-hmm. I like I like the PBR. I actually I prefer the Keystone Light, but he then made me get the PBR for a party, and then no one drank any anyway. And I've pretty much finished the whole eighteen pack myself. No, we actually didn't consume that much beer at a uh, Heathen's party. I think Matt was the only one that got into the Belgians, and and then everyone else was just drinking uh, Hua's um, Limeritas. <laughs> I didn't. The Seagrams were all right as well. I had a few of those. Hera brought those. <laughs> I was still kind of tired and hungover from the night before, and Tim was sick, and then a lot of other people there just aren't really drinkers. So, <clears throat> Yeah, we stayed up till like, well, Four. I went to bed, but they stayed up pretty late. And like, Yeah, we should have done our own Odin podcast. So our most recent film that we saw with the Sierra Nevada Movie Club, it was called... Um, Oh, Mission Impossible, Ghost... Oh, no, uh, Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation. So something I thought was interesting about this, one of the things I liked about the Mission Impossible movies is that all of them, up till now, have pretty much been standalone movies. So you could watch number three, and you didn't have to see two or one. You could watch five. So I, I have this problem with other films like Harry Potter and something, as I just can't remember two or three years back what happened. This one was still basically a standalone film, but it was the first one to really reference... All the other films, like, I mean, it basically sagged right from the last film where um, Ethan Hunt was looking for the syndicate. And in the beginning, when Alec Baldwin is talking about all the stuff that uh, the IMF had done, he's basically, I think he talks about something that happened in, in the first one and the third one and the last one. And they do other little references, like, even if they're just like little references, like in the beginning, she's got a white. Uh, rabbit's keychain and the third one was all about finding the the white rabbit foot um and then i'd never really watched the tv show because it was before my time and i never really had a way to access it but i did watch the first episode uh on amazon of the tv show and they did some callbacks to that so then the very first episode a lot of it happens in a record shop and people um often get their uh missions through music or records which hasn't happened in any, any of the mission impossible movies until this one where it happens a couple times he's in oh the, that that makes sense uh and the end when he's on the plane and she's asking about music and also in the beginning in the music shop is how the very first episode starts on the tv shows is, is he's in a music shop um i went back and watched rewatched the first three 
I don't think I've ever seen the fourth one. Or no. Which one is this one? The fifth one or the sixth one? Anyway, the first one I went back and watched it and I was surprised how bad it was just because it was in... Uh, I was probably in high school or something. Just the CGI in it is so bad. And some of the stuff that happens, like a helicopter flying through a plane or a train tunnel is just ridiculous. Um, but I remember I really liked the last Mission Impossible movie. It had... I, I'd done one of these things with Tom Cruise like a lot of people did where they just got saturated with him and his craziness and they just didn't want to see him ever again. And I was one of those people. I didn't like the movies he was in. I didn't want to see him. I was tired of hearing about him. The Scientology stuff was crazy. And then I remember seeing the trailer for um, Ghost Protocol and I was like, that actually looks like that might be a good action movie. I'm not really a big action movie guy n- normally because of the Michael B word and some of that stuff that goes way over the top. But I do like a good action movie. I really think you should hit something because you even said the name. Michael B word? Yeah. I didn't say his name. That still counts, though. No, it doesn't. Well, because you are the one that established it. I haven't said his so. name. So, um, Mm-mm. although he hasn't directed one of these, also all the Mission Possible movies, much like the Harry Potters, have all had a different director. They've had John Woo, Brad Bird, um... Who did do the first one? It wasn't. Oh, it was another big one. This guy I haven't heard of that did, 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 did this one. But they're all they're all produced by Tom Cruise as well. And the first one was the first movie he ever produced. Oh, was it? Yeah. Um, I I know one of the reasons I like the action in this one is because he did a lot of his own stunts. As we saw, they do like this pre movie thing, and they show him going on the airplane, and it's crazy. He had to wear the biggest obstacle was that he had to the wear plane actually took off yeah remember? he had to yeah. wear he had to wear the biggest obstacle was debris so he had to wear these full contact eye things to protect his eyes no one wanted him to do it well mostly the producers or some of the other producers didn't want to do it because they thought they were gonna have to do the take again and again and yeah. again like he was gonna pussy out but he's if i mean people know tom Cruise, he's crazy he thinks mm-hmm. he's invincible so but when you see the behind the scenes of him making it, it freaks me out. Even though all he is doing is taking off and he's tied to it. I was yeah. like, I don't know if I could fucking do that. No, and it's funny because I saw something on Facebook how it said um, how you know that CGI in movies has gone too far. And the very first picture is Tom Cruise on a plane. And I'm like, that is so not CGI because we watched it. Yeah, like, we he, he, we saw him he actually oh i was tied to the damn plane he had to do it six or seven times and even the director said um if a bird hits him or something it's going to go right through him that's the other thing they worried about is that he would die because if you get hit um something else that we saw in a late night talk show and i read about too is and i thought this was funny the stunt coordinator would say this but we saw simon Pegg on one of the late night shows and him and Tom Cruise spent a lot of time just driving together, and Tom Cruise would prank him by turning his his um, car seat temperature on, and so Simon Pegg would try to get him back. But anyway, Tom Cruise did most of the stunt driving um, in the film, and the stunt coordinator told Simon Pegg, "Well, he's we don't have anyone better to drive, so we might as well use him as the driver." Um, which you know, it's one of the reasons I like Jackie Chan movies. I like seeing films where you can tell it's them doing it because you can tell when there's a guy on the wall and they cut away and the hair looks different and stuff like that i think that's okay but if you take it from a point where like um your friend who is a rock climber he doesn't 
rock climb alone because he has kids. I don't think an actor should be doing those things because he has a young kid. You have a right to your own mortality, but when you have children, um, you should probably dial it back a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, but who's going to tell Tom Cruise no? And the stunt True. coordinators might. I mean, a lot of he the stunt probably He is a Scientologist, families. so I guess I shouldn't compare the two. Yeah, and if you guys haven't seen that Scientology movie, go watch it just to see the Tom Cruise parts. They're they're crazy. You really should. Just seeing him. I wonder. Yeah, it is. And you really. I wonder if he got out of it. Like, how is he? No, because that's what the that that movie, the Scientology movie. It's, it was an HBO documentary, and mm-hmm. if people have followed Scientology at all, you'll know that it's been really hard to get books and movies out about it because Scientology has so much money, and they basically almost terrorize the people that try to release things. The guys that directed or produced the Scientology movie said, "If anything else, we just wish that Tom Cruise and John Travolta would watch it. Just watch it. Like we don't even want them to get out of it. Just watch it." Because in the in the documentary, mm-hmm. the one lady points out, she says, I don't even know if John Travolta knows like all the stuff that goes on in And here. she was really close to him for 25, 30 years. But it is creepy seeing Tom Cruise on stage basically acting like it's a cult and like he's doing like... Yeah. Um, we're uh, saluting to uh, uh, um, uh, Hubbard or whatever. Guys yeah, and, and yeah. just just it's just creepy, in mm-hmm. my opinion. But Tom Cruise was injured um, a number of times on this. He was injured six times while filming. Uh, this film was supposed, to, and I mentioned this before on the podcast. This film was supposed to come out on December twenty fifth, and usually, and and they didn't want to release it on that day because of Star Wars. Usually, films push out further. They don't usually come in, and it, to come in six months is almost unheard of for a film to come in that early. And yeah. I thought it was fine. And um, Tom, Tom, I liked. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. I liked the action in it. I think it was um, really good. Like the drowning mm-hmm. scene made me really nervous. That was good. They used a special underwater camera for that that hasn't been used in any feature films yet. Um, the gunshot made me literally jump out of my seat. Which gunshots? When she was going to be shot. Uh, which by one? Ling. When he goes in to, when she goes in after the, the opera scene. Yeah. And is meeting with him. He's eating sushi. And yeah. I literally jumped out of my seat. I really did. <laughs> I'm using the word correctly yeah i did now i thought she oh literally my God. jumped out of her seat like jumped straight up <laughs> out of her seat i did i don't think you did okay I <laughs> she's hard because this is the galaxy so yeah. you're almost like laying yeah laying down in your seats okay so like when you when okay you it's do, fine it's fine anyway it's when fine. you do this okay is it's, that it's enough? St- it startled you okay it didn't you didn't jump out of your seat but. okay uh. um uh, Ving Rhames and Tom Cruise the only one to be in all five movies five as they did um, this was the first film to have on Ethan Hunt's team to have a veteran from a former movie so it was the first time because every time they've introduced someone else so this is the first time he's had a full veteran crew mm-hmm. of, of former movie people um, in this film all the good guys drive BMWs all the bad guys drive Audis and Mercedes which I kind of like that, even though I never watched the film Toxes, uh, Toxes, 
Texas or Walker, Texas Ranger. All the good guys, I think, in that movie drove Fords, and all the bad guys drove. Shad- so it was something like that. I thought that was really funny. That like if you watch the <laughs> the thing, you could tell who the bad guys are by which cars they drove. <laughs> X Files kind of did something like that too, but I think I it's- really like Alec Baldwin. He was in the Aloha movie, right? Mm-hmm. I like. Yeah, I really like him. I like him too, and I like that he. Uh, and I was thinking about this because I was thinking about all these actors that are assholes or have done asshole stuff or like you know done stuff that makes them look like assholes. And I was like, you know, I probably would still like him, even the paparazzi kind of asshole stuff he's done, because it's really not that much. Yeah. Um, the other thing I like is that he retired from. He just retired from Hollywood, and that lasted like three months, and now he's in everything. <laughs> Well, well, he was the best part of 30 Rock. That was like... He was really good in 30 yeah. Rock. He's, that basically... And it shows what kind of actor he is and he understands himself. Because he went from... When he was at his peak, he... Like in the... What? During... Uh, what was it? It wasn't Slither. The one was Sharon Stone. But anyway, at his peak, he was like the sex symbol. Yeah. And he was this really hot guy for about eight years or so. And then uh, I think he was in a film with Kim Basinger and... And uh, shut up, God, I can't remember the uh, the one he was in. And then, uh, and then Can he I went say Kim Basinger. And then he went to um, being older and kind of overweight and became a comedic actor. And he was great in Thirty Rock. I mean, without him, Thirty Rock was a great ensemble piece. But without him, it would have been lacking a lot because it really was him and yeah. Tina Fey. Yeah. 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 He was good. He didn't have a big part in the film. I don't really like Jeremy Renner, but I liked him in this film. Um, I don't like him in most things. I liked him in the Hurt Locker, but I is they, that the bow hunter? Yeah, he his first. <laughs> I really liked him. I <laughs> mean, I I I kept thinking he's the one that was the Hawkeye. That yeah, he was the one on Saturday Night Live that sang the thing, going, "I can do more than just yeah." Bow he did hunt, the Ed, Ed Sheeran song. He, I remember that, and I I took that through the whole movie, <laughs> and I was like, I I. Remember the beginning when he when they were both together, and well, the, then the end, and I really liked it. The last Mission Impossible movie was the first one he was in, and he was an interesting character because they didn't know if he was like a good guy or a bad guy, and he was kind of a conflicted character. He thought he'd actually killed Tom Cruise's wife, I believe is what he thought in the last movie. He thought he, he, he had done that, um, so he had like a lot of guilt. He had an interesting character in it. And Simon Pegg was in the last one. He's nice for comic relief, and he was pretty good in this one. Again, Simon Pegg is another guy that's just in like everything. He's yeah. writing. He's writing the new Star Trek, and he's in it. And he seems like and Heather watched a movie that he was in a couple of years ago last night on Netflix, "The Extraordinary Fear of Everything." Oh my gosh, that was a really good movie. Sounds familiar. You really you want to talk about weird movies or not? Not like crap movies. Definitely was not a crap movie, but you have to watch it. <laughs> it will take you. I only like, watched the first five minutes of it. it has an interesting premise. So where he's, are you going? He with got this. He got hired to write a bunch of documentary books um, or biography books about Victorian age killers, and because of that, it makes him afraid of everything. <laughs> and so he's like this recluse that lives in his house that's afraid of being murdered all the time. And I don't know where it goes from there. I fell asleep. You have to watch it. <laughs> I watched it. And then this one got up, and all I said was, I'm so afraid of falling asleep. He got up and turned it off. I'm like, I only have five more minutes. And so <laughs> turned it back on five minutes, but 
It, you have really have to. Everybody <laughs> has to watch this movie. Anything else about Ghost Protocol, Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible? Do you have any favorite action franchises? Action franchises. Yeah, like well, like number, the Expendables. Yeah, or anything that has more than one. <laughs> Like Fast and Furious, which would not yeah. be my favorite action franchise, but I think no. a lot of people would probably name that. Um, the Bond movies. No. The last Bond movies were pretty good. I, I remember going... Bugs Life? That's not a franchise. There's one of it, and it's not an There's action movie. There's two. There's Bugs Life 1 and Bugs Life 2. It's really cute. All right, forget it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to think. I don't... Star Trek? Yeah. No. I mean, I think actually... I don't know what my favorite franchise would be. I, I really... Can you think... Okay. Um, overall, I'm going to go with James Bond. I think it went through a, 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 a very flaccid period for a little bit towards a few episodes ago. And then when they rebooted with Grant, Daniel Craig, were, was really good. Like My Little Pony? Would Those aren't be? action. Action. They like are fighting. action. They fight. Okay. Just, I don't can really. you turn off your mic for a minute? <laughs> okay. And come up with a serious answer. <laughs> I mean, it could be some comedy or something in there, like like uh, Rush Hour or something like that. Yeah. Like Rush Hour could probably... I think they actually are thinking about doing another Rush Hour movie. Like Rush Hour 4? Yeah. <laughs> They're decent. I like Jackie Chan. He's just old. Those kind of things cause me stress. Like Rush Hour? <laughs> in real life or the movie? Well, both. But yeah, the movie... Rush Hour causes you stress. Because mm-hmm. of Chris Tucker? You never well, touch a black man's radio? No. No, like those kind of types of movies cause me a lot of stress. How do they cause you stress? It's comedy. How does comedy cause Are you stress? Are we talking about the right thing? Sandra Let, Bullock? Let's just go to last call okay. or to the ranks. Because okay. you're on timeout for until Matt's done. Okay. The five. So Matt's going to rank his top uh, five favorite video games going along with Pixels. So this doesn't have to be arcade games. Um, it could be computer games or home games or anything. I actually was going to talk about arcades earlier when we are talking about Pixels, and I forgot, and that's fine. Um, so Matt's going to rank his top five favorite video games of all time. All right. Um, you want me to name them first and then rank them, or you just rank them as However, them? however you feel like doing it. It's your it's your spot. Ooh, okay, we'll just rank them as I'm spouting them out. Um, okay, so... Starting with probably uh, one of the older games on the list, um, and probably one of the the games that started my gaming career is going to be you know one of the the last on the list, which mm-hmm. is Contra. Contra, A B B A, left, right, left. Yep, up down, up down. Mm-hmm. Select start. Um, not Contra two, just Contra. <laughs> it was a typical game. Yeah. Did they have Contra in the arcade, or was that just a Nintendo game? No, I think it was just a Nintendo <laughs> game. Yeah, I remember. I remember playing that at birthday parties. It was it was a pretty tough game. I know they had like the the newer versions were arcade games, but I don't think the original ever was. Konami, Konami. Yep. Um, none of these are arcade games, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a big arcade game player. Um, growing up, we always had, uh, the game systems, the newest game system. So we had like the Atari XE and, uh, Nintendo and, uh, so the next on the list, which is a 
computer game and probably one of the the first like real computer games, which is uh, Wolfenstein. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a predecessor to um, like Doom, kind of, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Same same engine, I believe. Um, but it was yeah, like there was nothing else like it before. Um, I remember being like blown away when I first saw it. Um, so number three, probably uh, another movie that kind of introduced me to uh, a new type of gameplay. Okay. Um, which is kind of like a puzzle kind of gameplay um, incorporated with some action and a good storyline, um, which was Resident Evil. Okay. That game scared the crap mm-hmm. out of me the first time I played it. One of the early horror games. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, and it just kind of went downhill from there. The, the first one was definitely probably one of my favorites. Um, Those I, were always shooters, right? Weren't they? Yeah. Well, and the the cool thing about Resident Evil, which was if you could beat the game in under two hours, you could play it again with you know a rocket launcher with unlimited ammo. Oh, okay. So that was like Made one of the yeah fun. You, you really wanted to play the game like you know a second time. <laughs> just the, uh, most stuff the, up. the first time you played it, you, it'd probably take you like what eight ten hours just to beat the game, and then you learn that if you beat it in two hours, then you get this cool rocket launcher. So then you gotta go play it again. <laughs> then after you get the rocket launcher, then you gotta play it again just so you can blow a bunch of stuff away. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of a cool concept. Um, so number two would be Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Okay, one of the more recent ones. Yeah. Um, it was one of the the Grand Theft Auto games were pretty good, but uh, this was like one of the first Grand Theft Autos where you could actually like jump in like a helicopter and fly it around. And, and the graphics started getting better around yeah. this time. In the beginning, Grand Theft Auto was just known for that you could beat up hookers to get health and yep. money and stuff, and then and then the gameplay actually started getting yep good around Vice City. And then pretty much after that, they and it was more open world around that time too. Yeah, yeah, a lot more open. Yeah, and after that, they started getting more into like the. Not really missions, but the, cinemographics and stuff. You had to, you had more of a straight line. Even though it was an open sandbox game, you had more of a a, a linear storyline that you'd have to follow. Um, so they had several different storylines that you'd have to go down, but it was still kind of linear. Um, so it just got more and more linear as as the um, versions went on. Uh, Number one, it's got to be like Halo or. Call of Duty or something like that. Uh, Are we on number one? Yeah. Okay. So I never played Halo, although we, we they did play it a lot when I was in college. Yeah, Halo was huge before Call of Duty. Yeah. Um, I did. I have played a lot of Call of Duty, but um, not. I haven't played the last couple of versions of it. Um. So. <laughs> I really like the kind of open sandbox games, mm-hmm. um, and probably one of the first um, game companies to really do it well is Bethesda. Mm-hmm. Um, they do the Skyrims or the yep, Elder Yep, they did Skyrim. So that that actually would be on my top ten list. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I played a little bit of Oblivion, which was like their first real uh, open sandbox game that they did, mm-hmm. uh, which is more of like a, uh, a predecessor to Skyrim. So it's still kind of like the fantasy, like, you know, you're uh, an elf or, you know, uh, a thief or whatever. Um, but Can I re- you have relationships in this realm? Yeah. A lot of times you can. Yeah. Hmm. One of my favorite games, Dragon Age, is all about who you end up humping. Yep. But... Anyway. Oh, really? I don't know anything well, in, about in, any of this. In, Sky- so. in Skyrim, you can actually marry. Mm-hmm. So if you if you do... I played, like, Pac-Man and Tetris, and well, then what was that one thing that I said? Um, Pac-Man gets married in, like, the Where's third Bison? level. Where's Bison? The bison fight, thing, f- uh, Street Fighter. Street Fighter, and that's 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 my. <laughs> but they accent. all they all had backstories too. Anyway, so Matt, what's your number one? Um, so unlike a lot of these other ones, this is the um, the third one in this series, which is the Fallout. So Fallout. Oh 3. yeah, Fallout's a pretty popular one. I've heard that 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 franchise has come and gone as well, but yeah, I've heard Fallout's good. I haven't played games for a while. I've heard the new Witcher game is really good, yeah, but this yeah. isn't this isn't a gaming podcast. But I won't talk about that. But good. So your favorite <laughs> game, Ethan, is what? Street Fighter, because you like to play Bison. Hadouken. Um, I'm still gonna go with Pac-Man. No, the I girl was, Pac-Man. At my new job, Miss Pac-Man. Miss Pac-Man. At my new job, there was a guy, several uh, people back in line, and he was talking about Ryu and Ken for the longest time, like four people back in line. It made me happy because I was new and I was upset that there was a line because I was going slow, but I was felt happy that he was so engaged in his Street Fighter talk that he just he was arguing with his girlfriend. He's like, Ken is just the American Ryu. He's just a ripoff. He's not even a character. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was kind of funny. There's only a couple games that I can play, and that would be the like, Street Fighter. Uh, Seven Minutes to Heaven, the one where you're in the closet. Tetris. Okay, then there is a couple games. Tetris. Um, All right, let's go to last call. Pac-Man. <laughs> Seven Ways to Heaven or whatever. Spin the bottle. Seven Ways to Heaven? That sounds Asian. I don't know. What about Jazz? Last Jess? call. Last call. Um, secret word. If anyone wants to get it, uh... (laughs) (laughs) it must be really hard because I think we've said everything like elephant, justice, like America. Wonder Woman. You're just reading guitar. the wall now. You're just looking around the room. It's not icky. It's, it's nothing in this room except I know, for possibly just, me. Yeah, I'm trying to Kevin? think of things that we wouldn't have even said Asshole? in the last five podcasts. It's a five letter word and it can be used to describe food. Tasty. You want to take a shot at it? We'll take that as a no. Um, any last words? Yummy? No. Uh, <laughs> any last words, Matt? Uh, no. Any last words, Haven? I'm trying to think. <laughs> Next week, we will probably be seeing the film The Gift starring uh, Patrick Bateman. Is that his name? And a bunch of other people that I don't know. Um, And here's a spoiler alert. The dog goes missing in the film. I pointed that out to Matt during the previews. (laughs) Don't.
What? I hate you. Give out spoilers that you can see in the preview? And I will probably post a girl's uh, podcast. I will probably post a girl's uh, meetup for the Meryl Streep movie because my mom doesn't want to go. Ricky and the Flash? Yeah. I'd be into seeing either one of them. I'm not into it. Well, Ricky and the Flash, I would see because it's about uh, someone that chose music over her family. And, and I Meryl Streep actually sings. Well, yeah, she sings in everything. She sings in everything. <laughs> she sang in the fucking witch movie we saw. She sings everywhere. I would like to see her. And My mom's like, well, I'm not really into watching movies. I thought you were going like, to say that's Gem. fine if you don't want to freaking see a movie with me. And her, her, her real yeah, daughter. Meryl, Meryl Streep's real daughter is in the film, which I think is the first time they've ever been in a film together. Maybe I should tell that to my mom. Are you and then maybe see, she'll go. Is she going to go see Jem with you? Now, Jem I probably won't go see. <laughs> but won't. Ricky and the Flash I would see. The Gift I will see. She Neither of them look that great, but I'll see them. Because the only other choice is Fantastic Four. And as I posted on the Facebook yeah. page is the early reviews are in and the film is not good. Her wow. thing is that it's summertime oh, and there's do more we have important to do this things. On the podcast? No, I'm just saying there's Can more important things to do than watch movies. <laughs> and I'm like, it's okay, insane. everybody. Until next week, keep it wet. All my neighbors are fast asleep, and I can't find anything to drink. Mackenzie's drank all the great alcohol, so I'm headed down the street to first call.
Come on, every come none of your news was about Roddy Roddy Piper. It's not very respectful. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know the tuning on this one. It's not gonna matter. Jesus, drink some water. Drink, eat some pears. 